At a time like this, it's easy to see why local news is so important and why that news should be free for everyone who needs it to be. Your support of KCUR makes this essential reporting possible. If you can, please donate. KCUR.org slash give. And thanks. Good morning and welcome to Up to Date Special Coverage Coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. We'll begin today with a telephone conversation with Kansas Congresswoman Sharice Davids, who is self-quarantining. Later, we'll talk with about how Kansas Cityans are getting creative to stay in touch with neighbors while maintaining safe distancing, and also how COVID-19 is impacting artists. First, though, last night, Kansas lawmakers passed a budget and adjourned until next month. Covering that for KCUR is Stephen Caranda, who joins me now. Stephen, good morning. Good morning. Was this the rush version of budget passing uh, because of the pandemic here, Stephen? Is that what's going on here? That's right. Left early for spring break. This is not a complete budget, but it's enough of a budget that if they can't come back when they're planning to next month because of the virus, then at least state agencies and education will have a basic level of spending they can count on. Lawmakers put some $65 million in the budget for the coronavirus. Some of that will be available pretty quickly here. What's the money for and and why is it in this current budget? Well, it's in the current year's budget because we can use it then as quickly as possible. The goal here is to have $50 million available that a panel of lawmakers can dole out as we figure out how we need to respond. And then $15 million would go to the Division of Emergency Management. When the legislature returns next month, they'll still have plenty of work. I mean, what's what's still left on the agenda, Stephen? Well, a lot of the big issues that people have been thinking about before coronavirus are still up in the air. A Medicaid expansion, this constitutional amendment over abortion, those are all things that they just kind of pushed aside because they had to get a basic budget and get out of town hoping to keep coronavirus from affecting the session more. It's interesting to me that those very contentious issues appear to have been shelved, at least for the time being, as lawmakers work through this budget. Yep. On big issues like that, they just said, "Okay, we're not focusing on that. They stopped work on pretty much everything except a handful of items that were directly related to the state's coronavirus response. For example, they also uh, extended unemployment benefits and made it easier to get unemployment because uh, a lot of people right now, as you know, are, are going out of work. You know, given the nature of this pandemic, how confident are lawmakers, Stephen, that they'll actually wind up returning next month? Well, they have every intention of doing that, but they gave themselves some flexibility to come back earlier if they need to or delay if things are not that great when they're planning to come back in late April. So uh, they want to come back. There are a lot of things they want to do, but they've got this budget in place, so they're good at least for now. Okay, that's Stephen Caranda, who covers the State House for KCUR. Stephen, always appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you. Congresswoman Sharice Davids has been casting consequential votes in the House as Congress works to come to grips with the coronavirus now sweeping the nation. Congresswoman Davids joins me now, and nice to have you, Congresswoman. Welcome. Good morning. You are self-quarantining now. Tell us why and when did this begin? Uh, well, first, I just I appreciate the coverage. I just want to say that I appreciate the coverage that you all have been doing 
uh, over there. I, I get your newsletter every morning too. I appreciate um, that. I am Thank so, you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I am self quarantining because uh, last week I had contact with a, a fellow member of Congress who recently tested positive for uh, COVID-19. And uh, after I, after I saw his announcement, I called the uh, attending physician of Congress and the attending physician advised that I stay home and, and self quarantine until March 26. Uh, so far, I, I haven't had it. I haven't experienced any symptoms. I'm feeling well. Um, the attending physician actually told me that, um, you know, with the dates and that sort of thing, I'm, this is really out of an abundance of caution. Sure. I'm, I'm low risk uh, at this point, and so are the people who, have, who I've interacted with recently. Um, but I, I really am. Uh, trying to emphasize that that we all have a role to play in reducing the spread of the virus, and so I'm doing my part by taking the advice of um, a medical professional and public health officials. And so I'm going to continue to to work really hard. I'm just going to do it from home. And uh, you know, we have a we obviously have this public health crisis to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm spending a lot of time uh, talking to our public health officials and uh, folks at various levels of of government to. Um, just to, to work on, on keeping our community as safe as possible. How difficult is it to be a member of Congress while self-quarantining? Well, it's definitely still busy. Um, <laughs> I would say the uh, technical getting getting uh, ramped up on the um, teleconferencing and, you know, we obviously had to, to change all of our meetings, uh, which we started doing actually last week was started shifting to um, uh, telephone calls and video conferencing for all of our uh, face-to-face meetings. So even before um, I went into uh, self-quarantine, we were already doing all the uh, measures about working uh, virtually where possible um, and that sort of thing. So at least the shift has not been uh, super uh, dramatic because it's been happening over the course of the last week. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I would say is that um, because we're all over the country, uh, the you know we're 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 having to do lots of conference calls. There's a lot of um, communication happening uh, around the next bill that we're looking at uh, in terms of um, economic stimulus. Right. And then, of course, we're doing tons of uh, outreach. I've been talking to a lot of folks about the impacts on small business, the impacts on folks who don't have um, necessarily the resources um, to, to weather something like this. And so it, I mean, I think it, it looks like, it looks like the virtual version of what I, what I do most days, which is focused so much on, this, um, on the coronavirus. I'm visiting with Kansas Congresswoman Sharice Davids. Congresswoman, what do you make of the way the nation has responded to the coronavirus? What's gone right? Where have we fallen short? Well, I think that the there are there are a good number of things that are going right, and I'll talk about that. I do want to, you know, I, I think a lot of folks feel a sense of frustration, and I, I've shared that frustration around the lack of um, how how long it took us to start to ramp up the the testing mm-hmm. um, and not just the actual testing of people but getting ramped up to uh, to get tests into production and so that's something that I think that um, of course we're gonna 
do a lot of after action uh, around this when when we're on the other side of this thing. And we will get on the other side of this thing. There are a lot of people coming together and, and working on this. And so uh, I think that that's probably uh, a source of frustration, not just for me, but for a lot of people. And I think what we're doing, what we're, what we're seeing folks do right and um, the trend that I'm seeing and that I hope we see more of is it's really people taking seriously. I mean, we don't need to panic. Nobody needs to buy a year's worth of toilet paper, but we do need to take it seriously. And, and if folks can, um, you know, really, really get into the mindset of practicing the social distancing, making sure that you're doing the, you know, washing hands for at least 20 seconds. If you, if you don't feel well, don't leave the house. Um, you know, making sure that we're thinking about our, our loved ones and our community and our colleagues, uh, that, that's something that I'm starting to see more and more of. And I'm, I'm really, um, I just, I think that's something we really need to focus on. I was going to say Congress is now focusing on the phase three bill that includes direct payments to Americans that you alluded to just a couple minutes ago. There's relief for the airline industry to the tune of like $50 billion and for other distressed sectors of the economy. But direct payments to Americans would total $250 billion each on April 6th and May 18th. Uh, and we're talking checks of $1,200 a person for those making up to $75,000 annually, at least under the Senate Republican version of this bill. Um, what do you make of it? Is it enough? Is it, it too short? What, where are we here? Well, one of the things I'll say is that I'm really glad to see that both of the, the bills that we passed uh, in response to the uh, coronavirus emergency were, were bipartisan uh, the president, the president signed um, both of them uh, as soon as it, it, it hit his desk. I think that's a really good um, thing to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think we're going to have to hammer out some of the details of the next uh, economic uh, or the next bill in response to the coronavirus. Uh, any economic proposal that that Congress has needs to first and foremost be focused on helping the people. Uh, because there are workers being laid off right now, parents who don't have child care, families are struggling to figure out where their next meal is going to come from, small business owners, like I said earlier, who who might not be able to re- reopen their doors after all of this is said and done. So, you know, my office and um, and uh, the the folks on my team are we're we're really prioritizing the needs of of those folks. We're looking at uh, lots. Colleagues about how we make sure that of of people and our businesses, both big and small, um, are are in, are taken care of. Um, but I am I am very focused also on making sure that there's uh, oversight and uh, guardrails uh, around any uh, economic stimulus package right. that we have. I should clarify, Congresswoman, the, the the proposal that Senate Republicans are talking about would be a one-time payment now that has shifted in the last couple of days, uh, folks eligible for up to $1,200. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer has said that that's not enough money. Is your first inclination, do you agree with Schumer uh, or not, or what do you think? Well, I, I do think that there's going to have to be, so I think that this, uh, we don't know yet what the economic um, fallout is going to look like. 
And I think we all need to be prepared to to not just be thinking about what is a one-time package that we put together. Uh, and I and from the conversations I've been having with my colleagues, um, that that has been the way that we've been looking at this. Uh, we have to think about the impacts that this is having on our public health and safety and that system. Uh, we have to think about the impacts on our, the financial security of our families and workers and businesses across the country. And um, I actually don't think it's a, it's, I don't think we're coming at it from the right perspective if we think that, um, you know, one more bill is going to be um, the be all end all answer to this, which is why I think that it's good for us to have these conversations about, um, about w- which provisions are we going to see in this, in this next package. Also recognizing that any package we put together has to prioritize the, the people and have, you know, uh, oversight and, and guardrails around, uh, around how we, you know, how we help make sure that our, our economy gets back up and, and thriving. Congresswoman, there's also a lot of concern, as you know, about the availability of testing in the Johnson County area. What are you hearing about that? Um, and uh, do you see any uh, likelihood of more tests being made available anytime soon? Yeah, there is. I mean, first of all, there's a lot of frustration. And I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, I share that frustration about the, um, the, the lack of tests that that we have and in talking to our uh, public health officials and you know the various hospitals and providers um, there's a real concern about the supplies uh, being available and you know I've called on the president to uh, to invoke the Defense Production Act um, he's mentioned doing it but hasn't taken action yet we really need him to invoke that act right now so we can start getting those supplies on the front line uh, I mean, our our healthcare professionals need need those supplies for the patients and for the our, and we need our healthcare uh, providers to be protected as well. Um, you know, the governor has done uh, ha- has done a lot to try to get more supplies to the area. There's a national stockpile. Uh, Kansas is um, Kansas is working with the national stockpile to get more uh, supplies, and we're we're being as helpful as we can in that process. Um, and, you know, I'm going to keep pushing for, for, the, for the president to enact. Um, and also we've I think, uh, Congresswoman David, you're breaking up just a little bit here. I want to thank Congresswoman Sharice Davids for taking some time with us today. She was joining us via cell phone. She's self-quarantining back here in the district. Congresswoman, we sure appreciate your time. Well, the other day, one of my neighbors marked off a series of X's in the street, six feet apart. Then other neighbors were invited out for a visit just to get a little socialization in. 
I thought it was a great idea. People came out of their homes, stood on the mar on their marks, and caught up with one another. So we got to wondering here at Up to Date about ways that Kansas City area residents are finding to keep up with friends and neighbors during this obviously very difficult time. Yes, it means staying six feet apart, but is it still possible to be social? We think so. We're wondering what your experience has been. What great ideas do you have? You can call us at 816-235-2888 or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Again, 816-235-2888. Back with us again is Katie Kriegshauser. She's director of the Kansas City Center for Anxiety Treatment, and she was on the show earlier this week talking about how people can cope with the coronavirus. Katie, welcome back. Good to have you. Thank you for having me, Steve. Well, what do you think of my neighborhood getting together six feet apart out on the street like that? <laughs> I, I think it's wonderfully creative. Um, I think this is a time where um, I'm actually seeing more people out in my neighborhood than ever before. Really? Yeah. I, I am. Um, I went to Loose Park the other day, lots of space to spread out, take my dog for a walk. And it was like a Saturday afternoon. Um, it was really nice to see everyone out and about and... I think now we're all working from home and we're all getting a little bit of cabin fever. And I think we need to get out and about and we're finding creative ways to do that right now. I should give credit to Julie Peterson and Courtney Falk, two of my neighbors who put that whole thing together. But you were saying the other day that this kind of socialization at a time like this of of people staying in their homes is really important. Absolutely. We know that social interaction is really crucial for staving off depression and anxiety. And right now we're all at really um, heightened levels of anxiety. So it's important that we stay connected to one another. And getting creative at a time like this might be part of the equation here. We've seen the balcony singers in Italy. Um, anything else that's come across your plate that people are doing that sort of makes sense? I'm seeing lots of friends uh, posting screenshots of them having virtual hangouts, having virtual movie nights all across the country. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Virtual movie nights, meaning they're all watching the same movie at roughly the same time? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I yeah. encourage the popcorn as well. Uh, really get into the spirit of it. And um, I think it's really bringing people together who haven't talked to each other in a long time. So... Tell us again, maybe in a little more depth, why is this so important? We are social creatures. We thrive on social interaction. It helps us to um, to feel connected to one another. And there's plenty of research in the field of depression on what helps us stay well. And one of those factors is connecting with others. When we use a treatment for depression called behavioral activation, which has been shown to be the most effective treatment for treating individuals with uh, major depressive disorder, one of the four activities we prescribe, so to say, is social interaction. Mm. Well, if our listeners have some good ideas that maybe others might want to copy for how to get that social interaction, I'm all ears. 816-235-2888 is our phone number here, or tweet us at KCUR, up to date. Um, what's the value of remembering that staying at home doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stay in your home? I, I think that's really crucial right now. We definitely don't want to be taking uh, that term social distancing too literally um, in that we're socially isolating. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to draw 
uh, draw that clear line between social distancing and social isolation. Social isolation can have negative impacts on mental health, um, especially um, for elderly or people who are at risk. So we need to be socially distancing and taking that recommendation very seriously, but finding ways to connect with each other. We had one tweet that illustrates how not to communicate with your neighbors these days. My This uh, tweet said, my neighbors across the street are hosting a dinner party on their porch, and not the funny, ha-ha, we're sitting six feet away from each other kind, but the sit together and share a few bottles of wine together kind. Obviously, that might be a little problematic. Yes, I think so. Um, I think maybe enjoying those bottles of wine on your respective porches would be a great idea right now. Um, I think... I mentioned the other day that some anxiety is warranted right now. We do need to listen to that that signal. And I um, echo Congresswoman David's comments earlier. We do need to take this seriously. We do not need to panic, but we do need to take precautions. So listen to that voice in your head that says something isn't quite right. Listen to those recommendations, but we don't need to go into panic mode. Again, we're looking for good ideas for how to connect with people during this time of uh, the pandemic and coronavirus, 816-235-2888. I'm wondering when you're in groups like this and people expressing grave anxiety, people are expressing grave anxiety or panic, can that kind of anxiety and panic be contagious? Yes. Uh, So when we're spending this social time together, we don't want to be using that time to do what we call co-rumination. Rumination is unproductive worry, and we don't want to just be bouncing that worry off each other. Because you can really crush the vibe pretty quickly when you do that, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's been shown to be contagious. We know that um, when... There's a lot of research on this, especially in teenagers, that when teenagers get together and co-ruminate instead of um, problem solving, that can increase depression and anxiety. So if you're engaging with someone and they start to go down that worry path, we want to redirect to um, we can validate those fears and emotions, but then direct to active coping. Okay, so being smart about what you're talking about is something we're thinking about here, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, as a friend and neighbor, what are some things that we can say to those who are you know, particularly nervous about the coronavirus, Katie? I think, once again, validating, yeah, this is... This is a scary time. We're all feeling on edge. So we want to validate what's valid here, right? Mm-hmm. Validate this is um, this is uh, scary and anxiety provoking, but then shift to support. Shift to I'm here for you. Let me know what you need. Um, building that community back up. I'm wondering what you've picked up from your clients this week in terms of how the level of anxiety in our community is changing as this crisis lingers. Well, I would say... Um, Actually, most of my clients are staying fairly calm throughout this. I am seeing um, more people reaching out who are not established with us already, who are now seeking services because they're finding either they were dealing with anxiety previously and now it's really gone over the top Mm -hmm. um, or people just looking for resources. So we're going to be sharing resources as as uh, often as we can on our website, on our Facebook, on our social media, sharing free tips on how to manage your, your anxiety during this time. Okay, we're talking about good ideas for how to connect with neighbors and friends during this difficult time. 816-235-2888. Mike from South Kansas City. Mike, you're on the air. Yes. uh, Now I'm retired and all that. When I was at work, (laughs) I used to have access to it. But anyways, uh, 
to the equipment to do it. Anyways, I was going to suggest conference calls where you people mm-hmm. call into, I mean, a conference call with your friends, you know, you set them up. And, and I think it's a lot more, I, I, I haven't tried this, but it seems like it would be, it, it, it's just a get together and gab fest and, uh, uh, Anybody can join in and leave and whenever they want and all that. But I, it's, I, I think it's a lot more. I, I'm guessing that it would be a lot more personal than a, using the networks, the social networks as they call them. So, yeah, good suggestion, Mike. I appreciate that. Not a bad idea. Oh, it's a great idea, and I think um, he's right that it may feel somewhat impersonal. Impersonal impersonal, excuse me, uh, to connect over Twitter, Facebook, that's kind of one step, but actually connecting to someone, um, maybe not face to face, but um, hearing their voice can uh, really increase our sense of well-being and connectedness. It's interesting, the Washington Post had a story about this uh, yesterday, this idea of how people can connect and be helpful at at a time like this. And again, the trick is to manage this while maintaining that social distancing. And that's that's the crucial nut of uh, of this issue. But one idea, a multilingual nurse offering to help with language uh, language barriers for folks. One person volunteering to spend time chatting via Skype with lonely older folks. I thought, great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, some restaurants are letting kids and seniors eat free through carryout. You know, there's pet sitting, dog, walk, dog walking, all those kinds of ideas, too. Lots of good ideas out there. Let's go to Beth from Leewood. Beth, you're on up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas. Kansas City. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I hope everyone's staying safe out there. So um, we did this this past week because um, we our house had to be quarantined because we had a college age student come back from California, as well as myself get a respiratory infection. And mm. so I didn't want to put anyone at risk. So we are officially quarantined, which means, you know, you really can't go out at all so that the six feet is really even beyond what we can do. So um, having said that, my girlfriends and I arranged a Zoom call. And Zoom has been used in the past um, more for, you know, business applications or academic applications. Um, But we decided to do a Zoom call, which is very much like FaceTime. And um, you can have, though, up to, I think, 50 people. And so it kind of looks like the Brady Bunch on your screen. So you have everybody's (laughs) face. And, um, And so even though they were drinking wine and I was drinking hot tea, um, it was really social. We had, you know, five of us on the call. It went, we probably we were on it for more than an hour. And then we decided, um, you know, this is something that we could do weekly. And not only weekly, what we could do is to support the local restaurants. Everyone's going to order from the same restaurant or caterer. So um, I think next week we're trying to arrange with Lon Lane to everybody order on the same night so that everyone can have um, dinner and eat together and also support our local restaurants and caterers. That, that's, and so we're hoping maybe even expand it to maybe, you know, even everybody invite five friends and then, you know, we can have maybe, you know, 100 people on this party. I can relate to so much of, your, of what you're saying. I'm doing Zoom with my students right now, and it is like the Brady Bunch as their pictures pop up across the top of the screen. And I think I just read in the New York Times that the value of Zoom now exceeds the value of American Airlines. So clearly a lot of people are checking out Zoom these days. Yes, yes. Well, I think um, from, you know, a health, mental health standpoint, it made us all feel so much better and connected. And I think at the end of the day, you know, as well as keeping everybody safe, that was what the goal was. Thanks for the call, Beth. Appreciate it. Thanks. Let's go to David from uh, Mission. David, you're on up to date. Good morning. 
Yes. Uh, what we've done is we're in our 70s, and we've found that with the inexpensive gas, we can drive over to where kids, grandkids are. They come out of their house. We stay in the car, and we can have real long conversations. We've been over there visiting even for an hour in the driveway, and yet everybody's kept their distance, and uh, it really gives us a chance to in-person deal with grandkids and kids and catch up on everything. And that's working out for you pretty well, it sounds like. It is. It is. We have a great driveway uh, communication. That's great. David, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You bet. Let's go to Martha from Overland Park. Martha, you're on the show. Hi, Steve. Thanks for doing this show. You bet. I'm calling because I'm so thankful that we have all of the electronic things we have. A friend called me yesterday on FaceTime. I've never used that, but it was wonderful. And I think we just... You know, we're so fortunate to have all those opportunities. So thanks a lot. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I just was uh, telling my students yesterday, this Zoom technology is just absolutely remarkable. I, you can connect, I think, even with more than 50 people these days. Mm-hmm. They're all there. They are all. They can all chat. And you can actually have what's, uh, what's a reasonable facsimile of an actual college class. It's absolutely r- remarkable. Uh, Robbie from Baldwin, Kansas. Robbie, you're on up to date. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to mention the value of meditation in decreasing stress. Uh Um, I belong to a meditation group in Lawrence, and we did a conference call um, for our meditation class this week, which seemed to really be helpful to everybody in the class. Yeah. Those of us especially who are self-quarantining, we're in our 60s. I also wanted to ask about the stress. I mentioned the stress in children. Um, I have grandchildren who are really social kids in sports and friends and they're not able to do that right now and it's it's very difficult for parents especially when there are other parents um coordinating um play groups mm-hmm. and play dates and my my grandkids aren't allowed to do that right now hey, what about the stress in parents katie I think parents are definitely stressed right now. A lot of them are kind of looking at each other going... Stressing kids, too, is what I meant. Yeah. Yes, yes. A a lot of parents are saying, okay, well, apparently now we're homeschool teachers. um, And and kids are, especially if you have a kid who's saying, well, hey, so-and-so is able to get together with their friends. What about me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's... This is a time where it's important to share age-appropriate information with kids, not over overload them with information, but to say, hey, you know, people are getting sick. We have to do our part to make sure people stay safe, stay healthy, like grandma and grandpa, they need to stay healthy. So we, are, we need to do our part right now. Um, and I know this isn't the most fun, but let's come up with some ideas together of things we can do as a family. And it strikes me, Robbie, that's one of the core issues of parenting, right? Uh, what do you do when other okay. kids can do one thing, but your kids can't? And that issue is going to be around for a long time. Absolutely. Thank you. Good luck, Robbie. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Carol from Lawrence. Carol, uh, nice to have you. Good morning. Hi. Um, I wanted to say that, that or appreciate my daughter-in-law, Hannah, um, because knowing that um, sharing food is part of our cultural heritage and sharing meals. And so Hannah invited me to a FaceTime dinner. So we all were together over FaceTime uh, sitting at the table and having our usual conversations. I'm, I'm a, I live separately. Neat idea. So it, yeah. 
Oh, that's a wonderful way to connect is make sure that you're still able to um, do those things that you value, that you find joy in, but maybe we're just doing them a little bit differently right now. You know, one thing I, I thought it would be worth mentioning as we begin to wrap this up here, this notion that it's hard sometimes for people to ask for help from others. I mentioned that, you know, one idea of pet sitting for others, dog walking as a way to connect, but sometimes people have a hard time reaching out. Absolutely, people do of saying, hey, I'm really struggling right now. And I'm also thinking of all of our friends who are healthcare professionals right now who are also struggling with that. And so I'm seeing some people just put on social media just the open question, hey, how's everyone doing? And giving people a chance to actually say, I need some support right now. Jean from Mission. Jean, you're on the show. My daughter, um, their neighborhood has lots of kids. She has a four-year-old. And they're all elementary, and they are making mailboxes for the kids today, and then they're all writing letters. And for the older neighbors, they're writing special letters to leave in their mailboxes. And then they're going to go out and walk and deliver them individually. So Now, that strikes me as a great idea, Katie. Gina, oh, I'm glad great. you called that in. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, too, and so I thought I'd better call you and spread the word. Kids love getting letters. Right. I think everyone loves getting letters. Yeah. We don't get enough letters these days. Not personal letters anymore, just the bills. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's Katie Kriegshauser. She's director of the Kansas City Center for Anxiety Treatment. Katie, thanks for coming in again. We sure appreciate it. Thank you. After a short break, we'll come back. We'll talk about the arts community and how it's faring and some creative ideas that artists are employing to stay in touch with their audiences. I'm Steve Kraske, and you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, Coronavirus in Kansas City on KCUR 89.3. And we are back. I'm Steve Kraske. The steps being taken to minimize social contact and the spread of the novel coronavirus uh, have caused a lot of chaos for our local art scene. Most of the arts organizations in town have canceled performances, and some have completely shut down. That's definitely a hit in the revenue stream for them. Plus, what are other uh, independent artists like actors, musicians, and writers who often rely on crowds, promotional events, or close personal contact? How are they going to make money? Since we don't know how long we'll be social distancing for local organizations and artists have had to get creative with how they one continue to support themselves and two continue their mission of bringing art to the community with us today are three people who have been thinking about this a whole lot they are julian zugasagoitia is the ceo and director of the nelson atkins museum of art julian always good to have you here welcome thank you for having me here Maite Salazar is a poet and writer who recently started a group to support gig workers in Kansas City. They're also running for Congress in Missouri's 5th District. Maite, nice to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Danny Kane is the owner of the Raven Bookstore in Lawrence. Danny, welcome back to KCUR. Good Thanks, to have Steve. you. Glad to be here. And if you're an artist in the greater Kansas City area, have you found a unique way to bring your work to the community in these troubled times? Or do you have suggestions for artists that can no longer share their work in the ways they usually do? do. Call us 816-235-2888 or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Well, Maite, how would you say independent artists in the art scene these days are being impacted right now? What are you seeing around town? Oh, well, right now it's mostly an income impact because as we know, um, 
you know, so many performances, so many art shows, so many openings have been canceled. And not only that, but so many restaurants and bars have closed, obviously. So a lot of our artists are not just, you know, paying the rent with their art, unfortunately, they're having to have two and three jobs. So when those uh, sources of income are taken away from them, it's particularly scary. So this is a really tough time. It's an incredibly tough time. Um, We've been uh, hearing from people that just in one day have lost all of their income. They have no idea how they're going to pay rent. Um, There's some that are sick. There's some that are immunocompromised. Some people are disabled. So it's really kind of a time of uh, scrambling to make sure that we're all taken care of. You know, this week you started the KC Gig Worker Support page on Facebook. What is that and what are people posting there? Uh, So the KC Gig Worker Support Group is something that I was like, well... I can foresee that we're about to all lose our jobs. Yeah. So we are. You saw the train coming. Yeah. So we are going to need something, some sort of support, whether that's uh, jobs that people have that they can offer to other people who have lost their jobs, um, whether that's people with extra supplies, like if somebody has a dragon sword of toilet paper that they're sitting on, you know, they can have a place to offer that. Um, Because I did see a lot of people on Facebook starting to ask, like, well, how can we support those people? And I was like, well, we're kind of not really all in one place for people to find. Um, So our group is specifically for gig workers, for artists, for musicians, and uh, it's for people who want to support them, especially. So we have people that are going to like, uh, that are posting their art, that are posting their videos, professional pages, etc. So there's a lot of ways that you can find to support those artists. You know, I was really struck. You started this group on Sunday night and you had 600 people in it within 24 hours. Just curious, where are you at now? Uh, We're a little over one point five, uh, sorry, 1,500. Yeah, so this so. is something that's evolving very quickly here. Incredibly quickly, yeah. Julian Zugasa-Goitia, this strikes me as a pivotal moment for the arts uh, in Kansas City right now. H- how are you seeing it? So, well, first of all, I, I congratulate my town on, on, on this effort. And I, but this is the time also to support more locally. And so what yes. you're doing is granular. Yeah. It, it is really supporting the ecosystem in which we live and, and having Danny and also buying books. This is a time to locally support mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, but it is as difficult as this time is and the difficult decision of closing the museum um, because the museum also wants to be the place where people come together, people of solace, and sometimes, you know, you reflect. But it is part of being um, responsible and part of being a, a, on the collective. Now, hard, hard decision for you? Very hard. I mean, it's... it's dis- I was looking forward to coming over, to be honest. Yeah. It's disheartening. And this, this right now, uh, spring break is our best season. We had a great show, the Nefertari show. So right. all of the moment that we're going to be, so not only... We're losing revenue. We're again. All of our employees are on 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 stand still, although working from home and trying to be very creative. So there's there's also the resilience, and we we're talking earlier of the resilience of all of this group of people just to come with creativity and solve it. But I have a couple of things to offer. Is that the sculpture park, the Donald J. Ho sculpture park, is still open? People right. can come, bring their kids, or or you know, and provided we respect some social distancing, but the works of art are there. The beautiful lawn gives you solace. And we're trying things that, uh, and giving people access to, for instance, I recorded, and you being a professional know that we, when we record, we want to do everything perfect. But right. this is also the time to be nimble. With a handheld phone, I gave a quick tour of the Nefertari show. It's going to mm. go online today, just before we had to shut down the building. And I myself, I'm not a 
indispensable to be in the building. Only security people and, and very, very few people are allowed in. I was kicked out. But before we did the last rush, we, 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 we taped it on a phone. It's edited and it's there. And so we are trying to be giving access and content. Our YouTube channel is marvelous. And this is the time to look again to the lectures you might have missed, like Andy Goldsworthy mm -hmm. when he was here. We have a lot of things documented. So we have, we're trying to use all of our digital means to continue providing comfort and solace through our means. You know, Danny Kane, as an independent bookstore owner over in Lawrence, I just can't help but wonder how COVID-19 is impacting you right now. Well, the main impact, um, like the Nelson Atkins, we've had to basically shut our doors to the public. Um, so it's required a, a tremendous adaptation and pivoting in, in our business model. Uh, and very quickly, we've, we've converted to basically a mail order business. Hmm. And so we are offering free delivery in Lawrence. Um, if it's in stock, we'll deliver it the same day. You're going to hop in the car and drive it over. It's every day of the last week. I've been driving around wow. all afternoon delivering books. Um, we've converted all of our shipping on our website to $1 per order anywhere in the country. We have free curbside pickup, um, and the store is open just for quick order pickup. So we've really implemented those policies to make sure we can get books to as many people as we possibly can. We've also thought about ways we can serve our literary community as well. We've teamed up with the Lawrence Public Library to uh, have a cart of free books outside our store since the libraries are closed. People need access to books at a time like this. So um, on our sidewalk every day, the weather permits, we've got a cart of free books that the Library Foundation and Friends has provided from their sale. Uh, and we've also launched an online initiative called Book Benefactors, where people can nominate um, people in need to receive surprise shipments of, of books from us that we curate. And you can also go to bookbenefactors.com to donate to make that happen. Uh, and all of this is in hopes of both serving our literary community, getting books to people in a time when books can be really helpful, and keeping our booksellers employed and busy for as long as they can, because they're creative people. Um, they're part-time workers. They uh, are facing a lot of uncertainty, too. So I'm doing everything I possibly can to keep them with some measure of stability while serving our literary community. I think this qualifies you, Danny, as being nimble. I think that's a, a very different definition for a businessman having to be nimble. I at think a time that's like this. Um, the idea of being nimble has served independent bookstores well. Right. Um, before, even before this time of crisis, uh, yeah. we've had to adapt to many changes in our business model. This one is a bit more dramatic than others, but uh, being nimble and creative uh, has served us very well so far. How artists can use creative ways to say in connection with their connected to their audiences. That's our topic here. 816-235-2888 is our number or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Kelly Hunt joins us from Lawrence, uh, the great singer songwriter. Kelly, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You bet, Kelly. Go ahead. Well, you know, one of the things that, um, we've been doing is about a little over a week ago, I just got the idea to um, do a Facebook Live solo concert, and um, we just wanted to reconnect with people. We were all feeling pretty disconnected right now, no and um, I know that a lot of artists have shows and tours canceled everywhere, including, including us, so it was just a way to reach out, and um, you know, it's one of those things that you really don't know how it's going to turn out. And we were astonished. We had thousands of people watching from all over the country hmm. and actually all over the world. And Steve, it was, you know, it was really gratifying. And one of the things that... Can people still watch it, Kelly? Was, 
Oh my gosh, yeah, they can go to my uh, Kelly Hunt Music uh, Facebook page, K-E-L-L-E-Y, right. uh, Facebook page. It's still posted, and we got such great feedback from folks while in real time, while I was playing and singing. Um, they started saying, talking to each other and connecting with each other, and they asked for more. So I'm doing another one Saturday night. No kidding. Um, and uh, I, this is, I'm just, I'm doing um, what I can to stay out in the world, stay connected, and help people have some fun, uh, feel not so isolated, and I'm going to do an all-request <laughs> show Saturday night. Oh, that's so, a good idea. So far, my my fans have requested 47 different songs of mine, so <laughs> I'm going to do as many <laughs> That could be a long have. concert, Kelly, yeah. Are, yeah, are there... I think it may turn into a series. <laughs> are other musicians yeah. doing the same thing? Are you seeing uh, this trend around the country? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody from Yo-Yo Ma, who's done this right. uh, series called Songs for Comfort, Chris Thiele, um, many of our local and regional artists, and I would just urge people to truly support locally. Um, it's one thing to earn your living from the arts. It's another to have it immediately dropped within one day's time. And um, boy, it's part of part of how we deal with the shock of it is to reach out and realize we have something to give. So a lot of these concerts, including mine, people can watch for free or mm-hmm. they can decide to use a, uh, an online source to, quote, buy a ticket, you know, at any any price they want. Right. And people are being very generous to it, to us right now. It's our lifeline, Steve. It really is. This is Kelly Hunt Music on Facebook, K-E-L-L-E-Y, Hunt Music on Facebook, right? That's correct. All right, Kelly. Thanks for calling in and good luck with the series, okay? Thanks so much, Steve. You okay, bet. hang in there. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Kristen from Kansas City, Missouri. Kristen, you're on up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead, Kristen. Um, I, I was calling. I had heard, you all might have already heard this since you're NPR folk, but I heard a Washington bookstore owner sharing this idea on Morning Edition of um, taking reservations from groups of friends. Like he said, five, but I don't know why you couldn't do groups of nine or ten since that's the current recommendation. And so their their shop is closed, but you can book an hour where you all can come in and amble around and shop the shelves and, um, you know, and just kind of get out together in that way. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking like if, if you think of Wise Blood or, you know, the, how they have all the art up on the walls or um, – Prosperous has the music downstairs. I mean, there might be right. a way to to kind of involve more than just the booksellers in that opportunity. Well, so. Danny came from the Raven and Lawrence. There's an idea for you. Yeah, I've seen a couple stores do that. I know um, Magic City Books in Tulsa has set up uh, Sign Up Genius, where you can book yourself an hour's worth of time to go browse their store, and it's an interesting idea. Um, in our case at the Raven and Lawrence, we've been so busy with online order fulfillment that we've had to convert our entire fiction room into a shipping desk. Oh, no and we sure. cleared off all the tables, and it's the just fulfilling the amount of orders we've got daily uh, has basically transformed the landscape of the store. So it wouldn't even be fun to browse right now. Yeah. Uh, if that happens to slow down, it is an interesting idea. And it's, it's of course, another example of, of being nimble and creative and finding ways to engage your customers and provide them a link to the literary community while maintaining social distancing. Kristen, thanks for the call. Again, creative ways that artists can stay connected with their audiences. That's our topic here. Uh, Richard from Lawrence, you're on the show, Richard. 
Hi, Steve. Hi. Um, I, I am a performing artist, and I'm also the producer of the Lawrence Busker Festival. And so, you know, I've got a lot of street performing in my background. It doesn't really come across too well on FaceTime or Zoom. So what we're thinking about doing is starting a thing called Book a Busker, where uh, a street performer will come and perform in your driveway while you watch from a safe distance or even from the inside of your house. Interesting. And yeah. I know. I know. That's what I thought, too. And uh, we, we thought maybe this might give, uh, especially all these homebound families, a little break from Netflix and it's a neat idea. Time. Yeah, Get very good idea. Personal. Richard, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. You bet. Julian, uh, we had uh, someone from, uh, I think Michelle Tyreen Johnson's Facebook page uh, wanted to know what are the arts funders in town doing right now to support the arts? What's What are you seeing happening there? You know, I think I think that uh, the, the entire philanthropic community is rallying around, and especially Kansas City has a, in particular. Uh, great group of philanthropists that are supporting Kansas City. And mm-hmm. I see right now, we, I think we're all just coming together right. and discussing what the, the outcomes will be. But I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll come together to support the arts in a big way so that overall the ecos- ecosystem of the arts is whole as we navigate these very uncertain times. You're saying it might take a week or two to sort this out, but maybe more support might be coming. Totally. Yeah. Again, our number, 816-235-2888, or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Uh, Maite, uh, can you give us some other examples of how people are being creative right now as they adapt their art for a different form of consumption, like, you know, offering music lessons via video, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So people are being really creative right now. Um, They're selling gift cards to their businesses. They are um, actually, we've started kind of like a homegrown um, like DoorDash type of deal where people who are still feeling healthy and have cars will go and uh, without the you know middleman of DoorDash, will actually go and get groceries for you and bring them to your house, et cetera. Um, people are starting to do a lot of live streams, so we've been talking a lot about how to do group live streams, uh, what the best way to do that is, um, and also um, people are just you know really starting to reach out right now. And I would really, I know. Um, that some other people know a lot more uh, sponsors in the art world, but there are uh, GoFundMe's that are already up for people. So if you know anyone, if you know anyone that would like to uh, donate to those, you can find them all on the group, Casey. Uh, I was going to say, in, in response to my question to Julian about what the patron community is doing, what what would you like to see folks do? What, what would be useful right now? Uh, really money, uh, rent money. Um, there are so many people that are just so worried about still having a place to live. Mm-hmm. And so um, there have been quite a few funds that have come up, um, but what I am seeing on those is that you have to prove that you're a full-time artist or a full-time musician in order to get funds from some of these places. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned before, a lot of our artists really have to have two or three jobs to support themselves and their art. So yeah. for them, those funds aren't gonna be available. Julian, you know, um, now changing hats as, as I'm, I'm part of I'm the chair right now of the Warhol Foundation. And one of the things that as 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 the Warhol Foundation grappling with this, and it was the most sympathetic letter sent out by the people who manage our grants and that when we give money. And the letter said, 
we're going to be as flexible as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the, mm-hmm. the important thing is we have given grants to people we trust, people and organizations we trust, and artists in particular. And we say, hey, normally the grant had these requirements. Right now we know that the world is changing. Take your time. Do whatever you need with money. Like almost it became a general operating support. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is also a very good reaction. I hope that that is shared more and that also our organizations locally think of that. This is the time to give general operating support or, or the quickest grants to the people that you have already been supported, to mm-hmm. the artists that are in need, because this is the time that we need that kind of support. Yeah. I also want to point out that the Nelson is pushing out pictures of art on Instagram and Twitter, and folks say it's absolutely lovely, Julian. So uh, great stuff there. We have a great creative team that also requested people, hey, what are your favorite art? And we'll continue that, and we want to in- continue the engaging with our public, yes. Susan from Midtown, Kansas City. Susan, good morning. Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, I have elderly parents who are in a retirement living facility and while I'm really happy they're safe, they are going stir crazy. Mm. So I just want to put an idea out there to the musicians. A lot of these places have common outside areas, courtyards, and if some of the musicians would contact retirement homes or living facilities, they might uh, be able to get a performance under their belt and bring a lot of pleasure to these old people who could, old, me too, um, who could watch from their balconies or uh, be able to, you know, get a performance um, to see. Such an interesting idea, a tricky environment, though, with uh, senior living centers being under such uh, difficult constraints right now, Maite, but maybe something to kick around a little bit. Yeah, we were actually thinking about doing another little version of a porch fest uh, so that people can stay out, you know, pretty far away from each other, but still come out of their houses. Yeah. Well, I want to thank our good guests here for coming in today and sharing their thoughts on some creative ways that artists can connect uh, with their worlds right now. Uh, that was Maite Salazar, a poet and writer, uh, recently started the group to support gig workers in Kansas City. That's a KC gig worker support page on Facebook, yes. right? And my, uh, and also Danny came from the Raven Bookstore in Lawrence. Julian Zugasa-Goitia from the Nelson Atkins. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to go to uh, Celia Yopis-Jepson from the Kansas News Service right now with breaking news about uh, from Kansas Governor Laura Kelly's uh, press conference this morning. Celia, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. What did the governor have to say this morning, Celia? Okay, so um, this is, as you said, breaking. Uh, the the press uh, conference is actually still ongoing, but here are the details we have so far. Um, the governor is um, creating a new hospitality industry relief fund. Wow. Um, the goal is to get short-term loans that will be zero-interest loans to businesses with 100 or less employees that are really hurting right now. And the idea is to help them, you know, meet their payroll, uh, utility bills, inventory expenses, you know, what, whatever could be causing problems for them right now to survive um, through this crisis. Um, she, she's talking about a maximum of $20,000 loans. Um, it's a fund of $5 million. And um, with this effort and other loan efforts that she's, she's talked about, about this morning, uh, we're talking about getting money to businesses in a matter of days. Um, she also said that the state expects in 
either today or tomorrow to be approved for for um, assistance, disaster assistance loans from the U.S. Small Business Administration. Mm-hmm. So that would be available for all 105 counties. And again, helping so helping the small businesses that there's concern they might not be able to survive this. Again, more examples of uh, the Kansas governor being pretty progressive in this crisis space right now. She, of course, the first governor in the country to, to close all the public schools in her state, Celia. Um, yeah, so, right, and, and and there could be more details coming out today. Um, so, so you know, what she said was she didn't, she said, I don't want to mince words. Things are, things are going to get worse before they get better. You know, we're, we're looking at really daunting challenges, painful realities. She was very, it was a very somber tone, and she was flanked by representatives from all sorts of industries, banking, you know, restaurants, travel, really, I think, trying to put out a message of, of I'm, I'm listening to the businesses in the state, I'm hearing what they're going through, and we're going to try to figure out how to handle this situation. Well, that's Celia Yopis Jepson from the Kansas News Service calling in from uh, Topeka this morning again, announcing that Governor Laura Kelly is declaring and setting up a hospitality relief fund uh, with zero interest loans uh, for companies and businesses with under 100 employees. Uh, important news out of Kansas today. Celia, thank you very much for the call, and I sure appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, that'll do it today from up-to-date special coverage for coronavirus in Kansas City. Folks, stay safe out there. Uh, Keep your social distancing up. I'm Steve Kraske. Have a great weekend, all. We'll see you next week.